0: Good morning. Lindsay and I got to be with uh, the Young Adults group um, yesterday, last night, as they're uh, on their retreat this weekend. I know some of you have been praying for them, so I appreciate that. Um, uh, there's 11, 11 of them there, plus the uh, the uh, four people that lead that ministry. So. Um, Really appreciate that group. They're uh, they're a fun group, I'll tell you that. There's a story that I'll tell next week that I promised I wouldn't tell today since they weren't here. I'll just say that they pranked me and they got me really good. Um, As a youth pastor, there are many, many prank attempts on my, uh, not on my life, but at me. Um, And I would say this is probably the best I've ever been gotten before. So uh, come to church next week. Uh, Let's read our passage. I know Matt read... um, a portion of it already he read uh, 2 1 through 5 and i'm going to start in uh, 124. now i rejoice in my sufferings for your sake Um, our truth statement today is uh, we, we can rejoice as we struggle for others to know the mystery of Christ. And he says the mystery is Christ in you, so I worded it kind of awkwardly, Christ in them, um, and for continuing maturity in Jesus. So we, we're able to rejoice as we struggle for others to come to know the mystery that Christ Christ can be in them, that they can know God the Creator be reconciled with him and for their continuing maturity in Jesus. So here's how I'm kind of breaking down the sermon. We're going to talk about the goal of Paul's labor, then we'll talk about the content of his message, and then we're going to talk about Paul's methodology um, with with the Colossians. But first, uh, I don't know if you got tripped up in verse 24, but we need to start there um, because this is confusing. So 124 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body that is his church. So what is Paul saying? What could be lacking in Christ's afflictions? Was Jesus' death enough to pay for sins? Yes. Right? The, the evidence of that that we probably go to in our minds and Scripture is that Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death. So we know that, that there was no lack in pain for our sins. We know that Paul, just in our passage last week, said that Jesus made peace through the blood of the cross. Right, His death, his offering on our behalf worked. So what does Paul mean? What is, what is lacking for the sake of the body, the church? Um, Paul's struggle is for this church. Well, Pastor Gary um, Uh, Pointing me to uh, John Piper. He uh, he does a really excellent job of explaining biblically what's going on here. So if you have your Bibles, you could flip over to uh, Philippians chapter 2. So what's happening here is uh, uh, the Philippian church, they love Paul, they take... Um, an offering for Paul, but the whole church can't go and deliver the offering. So they get this man named Epaphroditus uh, to go and take this, this offering, which I'm assuming is money, but maybe it was some supplies as well, to Paul. Um, they sent Epaphroditus. He, uh, he knows Paul. Paul has a relationship with him. Paul loves uh, Epaphroditus deeply. Uh, Philippians 2 tells us that Epaphroditus gets sick along the way on the journey. He almost dies, um, but he was still able to get to Paul to personally deliver this gift, this offering from the church. And while I'm sure the, the, the offering meant quite a bit to Paul, that gift, uh, I also guarantee that getting to see his brother, Epaphroditus, who, who almost died along the way, um, was also a great joy to him. So verse 30 in chapter 2, which is on the screen, says this, for he, as Epaphroditus, nearly died. For the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So that word that we have translated as complete, um, that, that is the same word that's used in Colossians 1.24, filling up. Um, and then lacking obviously is also also used in 124. So how did Epaphroditus complete what was lacking in this service? To Paul it, it was not the gift the gift was not lacking um, they gave it it was a blessing to Paul but what Epaphroditus did was he, he completed this by being the, the personal presentation of this gift right he personally represented all of these people from the Philippian church to Paul the whole church couldn't go but Epaphroditus could and, and he was he was the personal representative to Paul he completed what was lacking by being there in person to, to demonstrate their love for Paul. So 124, what was lacking in Christ's affliction uh, to the Colossians, it wasn't Jesus' offering um, of himself to pay for sin. It wasn't a lack of love from Christ, um, but there wasn't this personal presentation um, of his suffering. So what was lacking for the Colossians um, was this personal presentation of the suffering of Christ, the one who, who, who offered himself up for them, died for them. So Paul, he rejoices, he says, to, to give them a glimpse, to, to be this personal presentation of, of the suffering of Jesus who died to save them. Paul represents Christ. They could read, and they need to read, and hear the word about Christ's suffering for them. But they were also, in Paul, able to see, okay, here is a glimpse. This is a little image of, of the suffering that Christ did for us. He gave them this personal tangible presentation of the love of Christ for them. And and there was a cost to Paul. Like we read throughout this passage, he struggles, he toils, he suffers, and he was willing to do that so that they could know Jesus. So the content of Paul's message, verse 28 starts off, it says, him we proclaim. The message, the content is Jesus. Who Last week we heard Christ is the image of the invisible God, Paul said the the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. He's the one who sustains the universe, that all things hold together in him like we sang. Verse 3, later we'll get to in chapter 2, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. There's no need to search for anyone or anything else. It is him, it is Christ that Paul proclaims. Verse 27 he says to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? The mystery is that Christ is in them. The Colossians have received Christ, and Christ Himself is in them, dwelling in them. They were not the, they weren't Jews, they weren't the Jewish people, right? The, the Jewish God is was not exclusively for the Jewish people. And there are plenty of hints at that through the Old Testament that, that Christ would be for everyone. Um, but, but it was missed. It was missed. And Paul's mission was specifically to the Gentiles. He had a mission to reach the Gentiles. He reached Jews as well, but he had a mission to reach the Gentiles. He wanted everyone to hear about Christ so that no one, no one would think they're excluded, that anyone who would receive Jesus as Lord would be one with Christ. They'd be saved by the blood of Christ. So the result is Christ in you, he says. This is, who, this is who Paul proclaims. This is what he proclaims. The goal of his labors, and there's a ton of goals intertwined in here. He says that he wants to make the word of God fully known. We already mentioned the mystery of Christ being known. He says he wants to present them mature in Christ. He doesn't want them to be tricked or duped. By false false teaching, he wants them to be encouraged in their faith. He wants them to be knit together in love. Verse 25, he says, Of which I became a minister according to stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. He wants to make the word of God fully known. In 26, he talks about this mystery that's been hidden for ages. We live on the other side. right? It's not hidden to us. We have God's word. We know. We know that that we can be saved by Christ and and made one with him. We have access to God's word like no other time in human history. Many of you have more Bibles in your house than you do people. Right? I, have, I have multiple Bibles of the same translation even in my house. We have so many Bibles. Even if you don't have a Bible, maybe on your phone. You have m- maybe multiple apps. Even if you just have one app, that app probably has every English translation that's available to us. If Paul could come and be with us today and see the access that we have to Scripture, I wouldn't be surprised if he just passed out. Right, if he just couldn't even grapple with what we have today. And then once he comes to, one of us would have to break the news to him how we, how we engage with all this access that we have. One of us would, would have to tell him that we might be the most biblically illiterate generation of the church in our country's history. It's... Um, talked about this before it's kind of akin to having a gym membership but not really going right I'm sure none of you do that but I do that sometimes um so I have access to classes with people that have degrees in like how to help me work out and be more fit um there's weight machines if I want them there's free weights if I was bold enough to do that there's multiple cardio machines there's a lap pool there's there's a there's a um a treadmill. It's a $15,000 treadmill that sometimes I jump on it just because it's $15,000. I want to see why this thing's so great. So we have all this access. You go maybe anytime you want or maybe your gym's not open 24 hours a day, and yet we don't use it. And, and, and I, I'm not trying to guilt trip us, but I'm, I want to encourage us. Let's take full advantage of God's abundant provision in, in giving us his word and the access that we have to his word, like we don't need someone to walk to our church for days so that he can read a letter from Paul to us, and then we go home hoping that we can remember some of the things that were said. Right? We we, we can listen on, on our phones. On my phone, one of the options, I can listen to a guy that has a cool British accent even to read me scripture. Um, so I don't know if that helps, but it is cool. Um, we we have so much in the Bible, so. Um, Three things I want to tell you that we have in our Bible, and uh, there's much more than this. And maybe you're like, Greg, I know this. Um, but one, it is, it is God's word. It's from God. These are his words to us. What he says we need to know about him, about us, about sin, about salvation, we have it. He, the Holy Spirit inspired human authors to give us God's very word. Second thing is, we can trust what we have in the Bible. I have no fear of corruption of God's word. I, I, I don't fear that at all. Um, I think asking that, is our Bible accurate? Like, do we really do we still have God's word? I think that's a valid question. Um, And and we actually, um, on our website, if you wonder how we got our Bibles, we have a great resource. Um, If you go under Messages, uh, the series is How We Got Our Bibles, three parts. I'd I'd recommend you go listen to that if you haven't. But um, it's funny to me that a Christian can believe that Jesus died and, and rose from the dead to save us from sin and yet cannot believe or has a hard time believing that God could preserve his word. Like, of course God can do that. He has the power to do that. Um, I have no doubt about that. Last thing I want you to know is that God's word is authoritative. Right? And, and, and the root of this belief is in who God is. He is the creator. He is the author of life. And because of that, because he's the author, he has authority. Right? He, um, through his word, tells me how it is. And sometimes there are things that I read in the Bible that I'm like, I wish it wasn't that way, right? Maybe a hard, hard truth to swallow. But I also have a deep belief in God's goodness so that I trust that when God's word says something hard that I don't like or I don't get how it works or I wish it wasn't that way, that I, I can trust that he's good and that he knows more than me, that's not hard to trust. Um, and that whatever his reasoning is, it is good. So we have incredible access to God's word. Praise God that, that we have the access that we have. And Paul tells the church he wants to make the word of God fully known. So let's go back to the gym analogy for a moment. If you were struggling to go to the gym, right, and you had dozens upon dozens of excuses to not go, um, maybe as you're you know, talking with people close in your life, like they hear about it, and hopefully they would say, Greg, go to the gym this week. Like, even just once, just go hop on an elliptical for even five minutes. Like, break a sweat. Similarly, we've got to find a way to get in God's Word. We've got to find ways to get in the Bible. Maybe you're listening on your commute to work or, or as you go for a walk. Uh, you could join our Bible read-through. We've got a slick App that, that we're using we're, we're wrapping up the book of John this week you could jump in with us I would say don't don't do it alone right get someone to get in the word with you um, it, exercise they I don't know why they had to research this but they researched and discovered hey when you have a workout partner you work out more <laughs> of course they, they didn't need to do a study on that it's similar though in in Scripture we do better when we're linked arm-in-arm arm, getting in the Bible together at least talking about what we're reading in the Bible together so I'd encourage you ask someone to read the Bible with you and if the first person says no you keep asking until you find someone that will whether it's a family member a friend a co-worker whatever you, you could join uh, a Bible study one that we have here or there are plenty of good Bible studies out there even uh, you know outside unaffiliated with our church um, but God has revealed himself to us through his word. So let's not waste the access that this Colossian church never could have even imagined existing. Verse 2 uh, of chapter 2. He wants that their hearts um, would be encouraged. that, that um, in, in seeing his struggle, that their hearts would be encouraged, uh, that they would be knit together in love. All right? He, he wants a unity among these believers. And unity in the church is something that uh, I have noticed, has to be fought for. Um, if you've been a part of a church for even just a little bit of time, you realize it's just a bunch of people, and, and we all uh, we deal with sin, and we hurt each other, and we do dumb things, and sometimes we don't ask for forgiveness. Uh, sometimes somebody doesn't even do something to you, and you just don't like them for whatever reason. They, they irritate you. Like we have all kinds of reasons, uh, all kinds of forces uh, running against us to keep us from being unified, but Paul wants the body to be unified. He knows that that Christ is glorified when the church is unified. So are you committed to unity within the body of Christ? Is there something standing in the way? And if so, what are you going to do about it? How much are you praying about an issue that maybe you have with another sister in Christ or brother in Christ? Is this an issue that needs to be talked about or is this kind of your own thing and and just gunk in your heart that you need to deal with? One thing that um, God seems to uh, graciously do in my life when I'm struggling with patience, particularly with uh, a brother or sister in Christ, is remind me of how incredibly patient God has always been with me. Uh, Little issues stay little for a bit. But but if we keep them there, if we don't deal with them, it's kind of like a a chip on your windshield. Right. That chip that you keep meaning to go get fixed. And then one day it just takes off. And and this thing that had been little for maybe two months all of a sudden runs all the way across your windshield. The problem is when, when we don't have unity within the body, we're distracted from Christ and from his mission. He continues on in verse two, he says, to reach all the riches of full assurance, um, of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. To know who Christ is and, and to know what they have in Christ so that they can be fully assured. Paul wants them to have full assurance. He's pounding home through this book that they have everything that they need in Jesus. We have everything that we need in Jesus. There's no hidden knowledge out there. There's no special test. Jesus is the treasure. He's the one. There must have been something or maybe multiple teachings even from the outside of the Colossians church that were trying to work its way into them to influence the believers to think that they needed more. And Paul's saying, no, Jesus, the depth of treasure, it is in Christ, and Christ alone. I don't know if you've noticed already in this book, but Paul talks a lot about knowing. He says knowledge, understanding, wisdom. He, he wants us, he wants the Colossians, he wants us to be growing in knowing Jesus, uh, which gives us assurance. Right? It gives us a firmness and a stability to our faith. He doesn't want us to be fooled by messages claiming that we need something in addition to Christ. Last week, we read about the stableness that Paul is praying for in the believers, that that their faith would be firm like roots that grow deeply. Verse 28, he says again, Him we proclaim, we read that before, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That one day, before the Lord, these believers will, will stand before the Lord and the fruits of Paul's labor will be presenting them. And his goal is that they would be mature in Christ. And that word can be translated finished or uh, complete. In other places, Paul writes uh, about believers. And, and he's talking to people that have been walking with Jesus for a while. And, and he, he, he makes this comparison. He, he says, you should be eating meat. Right? You, should be, you should be chomping down like, uh, on a tri-tip by now. Okay, But you you're still crying for mama's milk, right? There's there's this immaturity here. There's this spiritual developmental delay, and Paul doesn't want that. He he wants us to grow. So are you maturing in Christ? Paul's goal is that believers will grow and mature, that they'll know that Christ is in them, that they have everything they need in him, that he is totally sufficient, that Jesus is, is life, that he holds everything together. He wants them to have full assurance in that knowledge, in that understanding. Verse 5, he says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. He's excited to see the firmness of their faith, the disciplined order of them knowing who Jesus is, what God's word tells them about Christ. This brings Paul great joy. Paul is invested in the lives of these sisters in Christ, these brothers in Christ. He's invested in this church that he's never met. He's only heard that they met Jesus and and that it took root in their life and they grew. So his method is this, he struggles, he toils, he suffers, he proclaims, he warns, he teaches because he wants them, he he wants them so badly, to grow, to be stable, to to mature in Christ, that he's ready to suffer for them. He's ready to do whatever it takes. He warns them with all wisdom. Making disciples takes work. That's the whole church's job, all of us, Jesus said. Go and make disciples. The cost of taking the gospel to people is expensive. There's a struggle there's sacrifice in growing people in Jesus. The disciple-maker toils as they help the disciple of Jesus grow and mature. Um, I love m- modern conveniences. I'm grateful for things like microwaves and cell phones. Um, to pay for seminary, I, uh, I was a real estate agent. Um, when I started, we st- everyone hand-wrote offers still. This is only 14 years ago. We all hand hand-wrote offers things very quickly changed uh, even even in my first year there but now not only do you not handwrite an offer you e-sign everything no one even prints off offers anymore right the, the, they're they're electronically stored there's not a physical like file anymore right and and it's great that you could write an offer halfway across the world for a house in camas right now if if you wanted to like modern conveniences are great we love making things I guarantee that uh, technology has benefited even disciple-making. However, disciple-making takes work. It will always take work. There are sacrifices to be made. There is much toiling and struggling to do. The disciple-maker, they, they, they work hard to help the disciple grow. It pains them when they see this, this young believer struggle. When they fall, when they make poor decisions, and yet they're committed, and they pick them up, and they join arms, and they walk through this Christian life together, making sacrifices so that this disciple can grow in Jesus. Verse 29 He says, for this I toil, and this is connected to presenting everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. So Paul's struggling not just with what he has in him, but all the energy that Christ powerfully works in him. Christ is his source, and much energy is expended in helping these Colossians. It's pretty incredible that, that he says... It takes all this energy from Christ, and I think that tells us that it's really hard to grow me up in Jesus, to grow you up in Jesus. We are stubborn people that are not like Christ, and it takes a lot. It takes the energy of God himself to grow us in Christ, and there's a responsibility that we have with one another as a church. After Cain killed Abel, God asked, where's your brother? And he responds, he says, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, Cain, you were your brother's keeper. Right? He got it wrong. We are our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper in Christ. Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says, let us not lose hope in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially the household of the faith. That, that our brothers and sisters in Christ Man, we are to labor. We are to struggle to help them grow in Jesus. My freshman year of college, I asked a guy in my church. Uh, I approached him, and I asked him if he would disciple me. There's a guy named Bruce Smith. Um, and I caught him off guard with this question. He, he didn't see this coming, so he said, let me pray about it. And he thought about it for a couple weeks, came back to me, and proposed a, a plan. So every Thursday, I came to his house and I had dinner with his family. We'd have dinner for about an hour, clean up, and then Bruce and I would go in a room, close the door, and we'd spend the next couple hours just talking. Uh, I mean, about everything, about, about scripture, about school, about my weaknesses and strengths, about friends, about ministry, decisions, I mean, everything. Um, nothing was, was off limits with Bruce. And uh, he, he would sit there. And he would take notes in this little, this little notebook so that he could be thoughtful about how to pray for me. Not, not only that night, because we'd always pray together, um, but, but I know throughout the, throughout the time in between our meetings, he would pray. Uh, he also took notes, I think, so that he could remember things that needed to be brought up in future weeks. Um, so this was, this was every other Thursday of the Smith family giving up family time for me. We, we spent about three hours together together. Um, We did this for three years. So if I went 26 times a year, three hours each time for three years uh, of college, um, uh, they gave me 234 hours. 234 hours where where they could have done something else, where they, they could have just spent time as a family. But I guarantee they gave me more time than that, too. I know, I know that they prayed for me. I know that they, uh, Bruce would ask me questions that I know he'd been thinking about for a long, long time as he prepared to get together with me. It, it, there was sacrifice there. As, um, as delightful of a guest as I hope I was to them, I'm sure that there would have been a couple Thursdays if I would have called up and said, hey, I can't make it tonight. Yeah, it would have been like, oh, shucks, <laughs> you know, they'll survive. But they never let on to that, though. I'm sure that there were times where I'd tell Bruce, you know, a decision I made, something stupid I'd done. And I'm sure he was frustrated and disappointed in my lack of growth. But, man, he, he helped me. That family helped me grow immensely in college. Helping someone grow in Jesus is a struggle. I heard a story about a believer in India Uh, He came to know Jesus, and right away, he just wanted to tell people about Christ. Poor, poor man. Um, No shoes on his feet, and uh, one day, uh, he'd heard about this village. He'd heard that that the gospel had never even come near them. It was a long journey, so he decided he was going to go, and he grossly misjudged how far away it was and how... Um, how rocky the road was. So by the time he got there, he's all out of water. Um, His feet are just killing him. He's exhausted, but he didn't want to waste any time. He goes straight to the middle of this village, gathers as many people as he can, and and he starts talking about Jesus. He starts sharing the gospel. And, And as he talks, other people notice, and they come over to hear, but they didn't want to hear because they thought this message was so great. They thought it was ridiculous. And they started to mock him, and they laughed at him. And, and eventually, he finished talking about Christ, and, uh, and he left. He, he took off, headed out of the village, but he was so exhausted. But by the time he got to just the, the edge of the village, there's a tree there, and he just thought, I'm going to lay down, and basically just passed out from exhaustion. Who knows, he didn't know how long he was asleep, but he woke up. And, and as he's coming to, he realized he's surrounded by people from the village. And at first he's scared, like, what are they going to do to me? And and then and then he realizes that they didn't mean any harm at all. And he said, what are you doing? And and one guy said, um, the head of our village sent two of us to come and and figure out who you are and why you're here while you were sleeping. And we came over and we were looking at you and then we saw your feet and, and we turned back around. And we went to go tell our village about your feet that were so blistered and bloodied up from your journey. And the head of our village determined that you must be a holy man. And we are really sorry that we did not listen to you. And we are now ready to hear about this Jesus that you are so willing to suffer for in order for us to hear. So this man, by his suffering... He's a personal presentation of the suffering of Christ, the cost that he was willing to pay for this village to hear about Christ open the door for the gospel to be shared. So all week, I've been asking myself, am I struggling? Am I toiling? Am I sacrificing? So that others can have the joy of knowing Christ in them. And it's, it's been a hard week for me as I'm looking at Paul here. My God. Am I, am I doing, am I really sacrificing for the gospel? Am I really sacrificing, or do I like my comfort too much, a little too much? Am I giving up some sleep in order to struggle in prayer for another Jesus follower? I ask you, do you rejoice in suffering so that others can know Jesus? Colossians one twenty four. he says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. Suffering and struggling for people to know Jesus and to grow in him, it, it, it won't look exactly the same for all of us. Maybe you'll suffer um, by being a really good listening ear for someone that has a lot that they need to talk about. Maybe you, you will, you'll struggle by having a, a friend, that there's something about God that they, they don't understand, and you're going to search out the scriptures until you can help them understand. Maybe you'll, you'll, you'll suffer and struggle by walking through a really hard season of life with someone else so that they can cling to Jesus. Maybe you'll toil by opening your home to others. Maybe it'll be by using uh, the skills that you have in your, in your career to serve others. Uh, when I took the Perspectives class years ago, the, the guy who um, runs Mission Connection, which is a, a two-day mission conference um, in the area, um, he said that there was a guy multiple years ago in Perspectives that heard that they needed a new website. And this is what the guy did professionally. He built websites. So on his own. For free, he built the Mission Connection website um, using the skills that God had given him in his career to, to struggle for the gospel. Uh, we have a group of retirees that just about everywhere they go on vacation, they find like a church or a camp to fix stuff at, to, to build, to paint, to, to, to make the place more and more functional. They 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 do this with joy and they're using skills, you know, that they learned. In, in this job that they worked for 30, 40 years. They're using these skills for God. Sometimes toil will be making a meal for someone. Sometimes it will be uh, remembering an anniversary of something really hard in someone's life and, and contacting them, writing them a card. Maybe, um, maybe toiling will be serving in ministry. Right? We've, got a, we've got four adults this weekend that are with the Young Adults group, and they're, they're like sleeping in bunk beds. Uh, like Kristen Carlson's pregnant, and she's there serving. Like I, I guarantee it'd be nice for her to be at home in her bed with, with Ben, with Lucy, um, Scott and, and Jennifer Rose. Uh, they're there try, trying to love these young adults so that they would continue to grow in Christ. I think for all of us, it certainly toiling will involve prayer. A couple weeks ago, we prayed through Colossians 1, 10 through 12. I, I asked you to pray for the people on your right and your left. I don't know if you've continued to do that, but I would encourage you. If you don't know how to pray for people, just start praying Colossians 1, 10 through 12 for people. Do you have someone, or or maybe even a group of people that you are struggling and toiling for, hoping that they will grow in Jesus, they will mature in Christ? If not, would you pray today that God would give you a person and that He would give you the energy so that you can struggle, so you can suffer and toil for them? We're uh, we're gonna take communion in a bit. Um, we'll sing we'll sing songs after I pray here. Um, I don't want you to rush through communion. I, I want to, sometimes it's easy, like the song hits. It, well, actually, people don't go up until people sing, but the song starts being played. As soon as people sing, it's like everyone's cue to go. Um, don't rush through receiving the elements today. Like, like you can come, get them, but but then even when you're back at your seat, I'd encourage you to reflect on who Jesus is, that that Christ, if you're a believer, that Christ is in you, that you have the forgiveness of sins, that you've been reconciled to God. And also reflect on you, and, and, and are you struggling for the gospel? What would he call you to do? Let me pray. Jesus, I love you, Lord. I thank you. Um, I thank you that we can come here, that we can gather, that we can hear your word, that even as we leave this place, we have incredible access to your word. I thank you that, that the mystery, that, that we can be saved, that, that Christ is in us if we've received him. I thank you that, that we can know that, Lord. And Jesus, I, I pray that we would be a church of disciple makers, that we would be a church recognizing the the sacrifice that you made for us and that we would willingly make that sacrifice, that that we would willingly suffer, that we'd make sacrifices for others to hear about you, for others to grow in you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray, amen.